0: Bibles please and <clears throat> go to First Peter or 1 Peter chapter 5. If you're visiting with us, <clears throat> the black Bible in the chair in front of you, you can pull that out and go towards the back and find page 182, 182. First 1 Peter five. We have two more weeks in First Peter and then uh, I started studying the book of Exodus last night. Um, wow, this is going to be fun! I was just going through that. I was like, "Wow, this is going to be really fun." The different themes in Exodus. So I'm excited about that. I hope, hopefully, you will be too. As we dive in back into the Old Testament, I, I, I enjoy doing that. So, <clears throat> two more weeks in First Peter today. First Peter five. 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5, we'll do the first five verses, okay? I'll read, then we'll do our study. Peter writes, Therefore I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to God. And not for sordid gain, but with eagerness nor yet as lorded and over those allotted to your charge but proving to be examples to the flock and when the chief shepherd appears you will receive the unfading crown of glory you younger men likewise be subject to your elders and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another for God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble After the inauguration of now President Trump, as he was leaving, he was going down that hallway. <clears throat> the camera was following him as he exited and uh, he had to go up some steps. And maybe some of you might know who these two people are, but when he's about to go up the steps, he walked past what looked like two soldiers. And as he was coming past them, they slowly just saluted him like this as he was going up the steps. Now, who are they? I don't know. Maybe some of you know. And really, who cares? And probably they don't care that nobody cares, do they? They're just doing what they know they should be doing. They're just standing guard saluting. There's no close-up of them. There's no interview of them. Nothing. And you think about it, amid all the the pomp and the the extravagance, you know, and the, the elites coming in. You got these two soldiers just standing and saluting, just doing what they're supposed to do. We read this earlier. Jesus said, Whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. By God's grace, be wise winsome weirdos in this wicked world. That's the theme of Peter's letter, his first letter. And today, we're gonna see weird leadership and weird membership. I mean, in this passage, uh, Peter presents leaders and members in a local church In a way that the world thinks, okay, now, you people are such nutcases. You're crazy. You you don't act like this. I mean, we got power. You got power. Not so. As far as Peter's concerned, Peter took to heart what Jesus said, we read. From Mark's gospel. They're really gonna think you're weird. Another way to put uh, humble leaders, humble youth, humble members. That's how you can describe this passage. Or leaders shepherd, youth submit, all are humble. Leaders are humble, young people are humble, everyone's humble. Leaders, shepherd, youth submit, but all are humble. Or in a statement, wise, winsome Christian weirdos are people who clothe themselves with humility, having leaders who humbly shepherd them, and youth who humbly submit to that leadership. And the rest of the part that we read, Jesus says, for the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve God came to serve us. Get that. God didn't come for us to serve him. God came, Jesus took on flesh to serve us, to serve humans. That's, that's a startling, shocking statement. But Paul said, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. Jesus is the epitome of what humility is, of what true leadership is all about, of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Elders, or pastors, or shepherds, or overseers, that's one person or persons, different terms used, they serve God's people being equipped... Enthusiastic and exemplary. Young people submit to their leaders and all Christians in a local body clothe themselves with gracious, loving, compassionate humility. The role of pastors or elders or overseers includes leadership, pastoral supervision, discipline, formal discipline and corrective discipline and even at times financial responsibilities they make decisions they give encouragement they keep the sheep on the path of God's word Uh, shepherds are called to give spiritual care to a local body by preaching and teaching God's word they're to guard the purity of the truth warning God's people of false doctrine they should set the example of godliness in their own lives it's about character moral character leaders should have this in general that may be lacking in the White House at this time. When tensions and conflict rises and stress comes, elders or pastors need to have these qualities at the forefront. And yet there's sinners who need grace too. And then young people who can question authority, they're, they're called to submit, but all Christians should display humility. I'm telling you the passage in different ways. These are different ways to sum up what Peter says here in these first five verses of chapter five. And I'll tell you, if if we as a church take this on, people will think we're weird. And yet it's winsome. It's attractive. Because when you have... A local church, a bunch of people who have so many different things in common, but the one common denominator they have is Christ, and that drives the unity amongst them and shows humility. I mean, that stands out to this world. A world that's divided, a nation that is divided over policies. Not so with us. We're united in Christ and the gospel. Let's look through this. First, he spends most of the time with humble leaders. Verses 1 through 4. Notice the first word, therefore. What's the therefore? Therefore. (laughs) Get it? He looks back to what he spoke about in reference to the purging of God's people. We looked at that in chapter 4, 12 through 19. God will start with the leaders. The elders or pastors or shepherds or overseers the purging process must start with the leaders because like priests, like people. People follow their leaders. So that's that's where Peter starts. He says in chapter 4, uh, verse 17, it's a time for judgment to begin with the house of God, with us first. And then he moves into, therefore, elders. This is how I want you to be. This is how God wants you to be. I exhort, notice he says, I exhort the elders among you. Uh, Peter strongly encourages these elders or pastors to these specific commands. Notice he provides three justifications for his exhortation of them. He says, a fellow elder, I'm a witness of the sufferings of Christ. And I'm a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. He's encouraging them. And he gives uh, his credentials, so to speak. He's a fellow elder. He's a witness. He's a sharer. His credentials. So based upon this, I'm going to exhort you. So first, a fellow elder, Peter himself, had a pastoral role in God's church. And when he says this, it expresses unity. Um, uh, collegiality with these elders in the different churches. He's empathetic to the elders in their task to shepherd God's people. He's a witness, he says. Good to know he was a witness to Jesus' suffering, his crucifixion. More likely, Peter testified to Jesus' suffering, having observed some of it, but definitely the resurrection of Jesus. But even more than that, Peter shared in the sufferings of Christ and that he suffered because he followed Christ in the same way elders must be ready to share in Christ's sufferings it's not easy to be an under shepherd it's not easy to be elders for God's people for Christ's sheep and he's a partaker. Uh, he, along with these elders, will partake of the glory that is to be revealed when Jesus returns. Jesus is coming back. All Christians will share in this in this glory, yes. So, so uh, Peter's saying, look, I know better than you guys. I'm in the status as you. I'm in the same place as you. God has called me to do this. God's called you to do this. We're together in this. So, verse two, shepherd, flock of God among you. Shepherd, or ten, the sheep of God, or God's sheep. This is an image taken from the Old Testament. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall lack nothing. Isaiah chapter 40 uh, Jeremiah 23 Ezekiel 34 and this image in the Old Testament the thought process was the elders of Israel they were regarded as those who oversaw the people Israel had a plurality of men that acted as elders they were the under shepherds of God's people and what happened was Jesus picked up this theme in the Gospel of John And he calls himself, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. So now, each local congregation has shepherds, under shepherds, with Christ as the senior pastor, the chief shepherd, the senior pastor, the senior shepherd. Elders are called to fulfill this same function, shepherd or care for God's people. They're under your care, Peter says. What would shepherds do? I mean, for us, you usually don't see shepherds in Cottonwood or the Verde Valley. I mean, you may be, but they're kind of few and far between. Shepherds in the first century, they would keep the sheep from wandering in their stupidity. Sheep were stupid. Uh, The shepherd would protect them from wild animals and thieves. The shepherd would feed them, direct them to good grass. That's good grass over there. Uh, The shepherd would seek them out. The shepherd would maintain unity amongst the sheep. And it's these functions, elders are called to do with God's people. They must be ready to do these even if it is a personal risk to them. shepherd, the sheep of God among you. Notice he says exercising oversight. I believe this is supposed to be in the text. This is where you get the word bishop. Overseer is where you get the word bishop. So elders, pastor, pastor is where you get the word shepherd. So elders, pastor, overseeing. It's the same thing. There's no like bishop over these elders, who or over these pastor, no, that's not how it works. An elder is a shepherd who oversees. It's one and the same, friends. It's one title. So elders are called to shepherd or pastor and exercise over, oversight. <clears throat> um, Peter used this term overseer <clears throat> in chapter two, verse twenty-five. But now you've returned to the shepherd and guardian or overseer of your soul. He puts it in a noun form. The same word, just in a noun form. So that's what elders do. That's what pastors do. They oversee their bishopine, so to speak. <clears throat> well, how do they do this? How how can Uh, Pastors or elders or overseers, bishops, how do they shepherd? How do they exercise oversight? He does three contrasts. Not like this, but like this. (laughs) Like this. But like this. That's what he does. Three contrasts, negative and positive. Notice the first negative. Not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to God. So they gladly volunteer for this work of God's service. Not being lazy. But they willingly serve Jesus Christ by serving and shepherding the sheep. They willingly do this. And he says it's according to God. According to God's specific will. How are you going to know God's will? From his word. So God speaks, he speaks from his word. So not from the pastor's own will, but from the will of God. From God's word. So first the negative, not under compulsion, positive, willingly. Second, notice the motive, not for greed, he says, or not for sort of gain, or a desire for financial gain. Elders most likely would be paid. 1 Timothy 5, 17 to 18. But they should not seek. What did I put? Oh, oh, they should not seek to benefit in a major way from the ministry. Not for what you will get out of it, the New Living Translation says. That's a good way to put it. Don't turn it into a business, in other words. Now instead, leaders seek. Serve with zeal, energy, enthusiasm for God and his people. They're driven to please Jesus in this work of service, not the people. That's why he says, but with eagerness. So not for greed. So not under compulsion, but willingly. Not for greed. See what you can get out of it. But uh, with zeal and energy. Notice the next one is the attitude. Attitude, not lording it over or dominating those allotted to them. A congregation has been assigned or allotted to elders, so while he says those allotted to your charge, it's their sphere of responsibility. So the attitude should be of servants, not overbearing bosses. Uh, ministers of grace, not dictatorial, unreasonable executives. Uh, not forcefully ruling over or subduing with harsh or excessive use of that authority. Authority they have, yes, but they hold it gently with grace and compassion. Not arrogance. Not done in anger. Certainly not done in anger. Or in some type of restrictive legalistic rule. So the attitude, not lording it over uh, as those allotted to your charge, but notice the positive. But proving to be examples to the flock. Uh, But becoming an example for the flock or for the sheep. Instead, elders should exemplify by their lives godly living, a model to follow after. Notice you see the, uh, Peter's uh, contrasting hierarchical authority versus a demonstration by the example of one's life. Yes, they have authority, but they must not abuse that authority. They're Christ. Delegates. now it's difficult because elders or pastors are called to be leaders and give leadership but they cannot abuse that authority but we need to be careful because abuse can be subjective right one person may feel abused another would say no way what does a pastor do this person says i'm being abused this person says no i don't see that so how do you know if you're abusing your authority or not what can a pastor do what can elders do how are they able to determine amidst the subjectivity the objective truth of if they're really lorded it over or not there's a few ways They must do what they can do to make sure they come across as gracious as possible. It's important to have a plurality as a way to keep each other in check. That's why it's elders. The congregation as a whole helps too. The congregation speaks as a whole. And personally, I put in here, I must make sure I give you as God's people the proper respect and honor. That's what I have to do those are different ways uh, how to determine that subjectivity uh, in the midst of that subjectivity what's really objectively true am am I lording it over? so the negative and the positive here's these three contrasts that he's giving that's how elders pastors uh, shepherds overseers that's how they shepherd God's sheep hard because elders or pastors have to tell people how to live and not to live at times i have to exercise discipline maybe even rebuke i may need to correct you but it must be done in a gracious kind manner interesting too about the ancient shepherds in israel they didn't drive their sheep they walked in front of their sheep and they called them to follow him in the same way elders are ministers to God's sheep and they stand out and the sheep follow and it's not about academic excellence or success it's not about having these great administrative skills it's not about having some type of quality wow he's really a go getter I mean, those are nice things. It's, it's good, but that's not—that's not what Peter's talking about here. The major part of this is character, right? And displaying that character and how you interact with people. And notice the really the driving force and motive for elders or pastors, verse four. And when the chief shepherd appears you receive the unfading crown of glory. In ancient times, uh, victorious athletes, valiant soldiers, even distinguished citizens, they would receive a crown made from uh, amaranth flower, which supposedly never withered or faded. It would revive when moistened with water. And, and it symbolized uh, perpetuity, symbolized uh, eternity. So when Jesus, the senior pastor of his church, comes in all his glory, these elders or pastors will receive a crown, which is glory, a reward dependent upon their manner of shepherding Christ's people, Christ's sheep. Christ will pay them with something more than gold, glory. Elders are delegated by God to oversee, but they will have to give an account for their actions as Christ under shepherds. Uh, Hebrews 13, 17. Pastors like to quote the first part. Obey your leaders and submit to them. But the next part says, um, as those who have to give an account, leaders have to give an account. I will will be held accountable to how I've shepherded you. Are elders or pastors a target? Yeah, they are. But Jesus will honor elders in the eternal state, which is well worth working and laboring. So the chief pastor will bestow glory upon the faithful, the faithful elders or pastors, as a visible display of honor before all for their devotion to God's sheep. Shepherding, caring, caring, Serving, loving, helping. It's their attitude. Because remember, he it says, shepherd the flock of God. This is God's church. It's not my church. It's not my body. This is Christ's body. Jesus died for his people. Now there's Jews and Gentiles are One. Jesus gave himself on behalf of the sheep. They're not mine, they're his. This is the place where I serve. Humble leaders, verses one through four. And then notice humble youth. Verse five, the first part. He says, You younger men likewise, going on the same subject, in other words, be subject to your elders. Now, I think he's truly talking about young men. Not some other category of people. Usually, not always, usually elders were older men. Regardless, he's saying, uh, younger men should show proper respect for this authority. They should subject themselves to the leaders of the church. Now, why would Peter say something like this? Why would he... Why would he say this? Was there something happening in the churches as to why he would say this? We're not really told that. Let me give you a thought. We live in a day when all authority is questioned. Especially among the youth. And the same cultural norm as today, that was in the first century too and if youth who have more of a tendency to question authority are called to submit how much more for all of you to submit to your leaders I mean we live in a day when authorities question I mean I understand the upset that people have for instance for example against President Trump I understand that but to say he's not my president what kind of a ridiculous statement is that but see, people have no thought about respect for authority. And if youth, if the young people, oh, and it's no offense to all you college students, but it's you know what's the college students, you know, they think they got it all together. We got it all figured out. Right? They do. Well, at least they think they do. But if if these young people are called to submit, and and young people could be from 50 on down in the first century. If these young people are called to submit, how much more so for all of us called to submit to leadership? And it's this submission that can cause tension, can't it? It can cause tension, especially for some of you. I'm in a younger age bracket than for some of you. Look, I'm called by God. I'm delegated by you as the church to shepherd you. You don't think I'm doing a good job shepherding you? Then get rid of me. If you don't think I'm preaching to you the gospel, get rid of me. You should. Humble leaders, humble youth, but then notice the third category, humble members. Because he says in verse 5, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Humble leaders, humble youth, humble members, all of you clothe yourselves with humility. All within the believing community should show such humility. All of God's sheep should show this kind of attitude. Uh, chapter 3, verse 8 of uh, First Peter He said, Let all be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind hearted, and humble in spirit. This is the second time he's saying this. And he relates it to tying a garment around the body. Clothe yourself Uh, like a slave who would tie an apron and, and fasten it like a knot. Uh, the picture maybe would come to the, the mind of his readers or maybe this came to Peter's mind as he was watching Jesus John chapter 13 talks about this he's watching Jesus they're sitting there the disciples blah 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 and here's Jesus he gets up he ties an apron around himself and he starts washing the disciples feet there's, there's an uh, example vivid example of humility And is not Jesus the epitome of humility? Jesus is the epitome of humility, taking on human flesh so that he may die on behalf of sinners, obedient to the Father's plan. He did this to show that God is gracious and kind. God should condemn us as sinners, and yet he shows compassion to us in Jesus Christ. If you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus... See that God's arms are wide open. Come, repent, trust in Christ. He'll save you. Even though you deserve his judgment, he'll save you. Jesus is the epitome of humility. So wrap humility around yourself like a garment. You don't go around naked. Please don't go around naked. call the police on you bless you brother or sister you're going to jail (laughs) go put some clothes on but think of it this way as you put on your clothes put on humility that's what Peter's saying I as a leader should not dominate but you as the congregation are not given the right to undermine or make wrong accusations I'm called to be humble you're called to be humble we're all called to be humble notice the reason for God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble God opposes those who are proud he quotes here from Proverbs chapter 3 verse 34 but God gives grace to those who are humble The humble will receive God's favor. The proud will find themselves in opposition to God. Members of local churches should be graciously humble. Because God God opposes those who are proud and arrogant. But he gives his grace, his undeserved favor to those who humble themselves. Notice in that short statement that Peter gives profound statement. It has gospel overtones all over the place. God opposes those who are self-sufficient. Those who balk at his total help. Those who believe they have no need of him. I don't need to believe in God. Him and me and God were fine. The proud seek their own glory. The proud trust in their own ability James thought it was so important he quotes it James chapter 4 verse 6 in opposition to that God loves to be trusted loves for his people to humbly submit to him to them he gives forgiving and enabling grace they recognize how much they need him and others to help them see the real them. They humbly cry out to God in desperation on a daily basis. Friends, when we humble ourselves before God, He uses us in ways where we minister and serve each other, submitting to those who are in authority over us and those under our care. We graciously want to minister to each other. That's the whole mentality. That's what happens when humility overtakes you. God will continue to pour out his forgiving and enabling grace upon us as a church as we clothe ourselves with humility with leaders who humbly shepherd and youth who humbly submit to that leadership. Leadership should be exercised in the spirit of helping others and for the good of God's people. Can a church exist without leadership? Oh, yes. But it won't be very healthy. Leadership is good for the members, it's needed for the church of God. It's needed for the church from God. A church cannot exist very long without humble leaders but it certainly won't survive with people who are arrogant and prideful, will it? We need to have humble leaders and we need to be submitting humble members. God help us. God help us to have humble members, to be humble members, to be humble youth and to have a humble pastor. Pastor. At a time when people are anything but humble. When the world balks at that. it's what we need. And I must say to you as a church, I thank you. I thank you as a church. You've been so gracious to me. I think when I confess to you, uh, there's been times where I've lorded it over you. I've sinned against you. For that I'm sorry and I ask for your forgiveness. And I thank you that you're gracious to me. Thank you, Travis. Thank you, Michael. You've been very gracious to me. Daniel. You guys have been very gracious to me pointing out my sin. And it's been shown in my anger. I'm just so you know I'm I've really come to the point where I need to deal with my anger. I've actually been meeting with Wayne Neiman on a every other week basis. I've been reading through a book by David Jones, uh, Uprooting Anger. I want to deal with this in my own life. I'm like about to be a certified biblical counselor and I'm like, I'm going to help people with their anger and yet i got a problem with anger, right? It's like, well, how stupid is that sorry I should have sensed say stupid how lame is that it just brought that out in my own life so this is a great passage for me just in terms of my own life my own application and I hope it's encouraging to you Father thank you for your forgiving grace thank you for your enabling grace just a statement that's been ringing in my head for the past week, couple weeks. Thank you that you forgive us in Christ as we repent and keep trusting Jesus. And thank you that you enable us by your grace as we humble ourselves. You enable us to, instead of anger, there's mercy instead of lust there's love and shepherding thank you that you transform us by your grace God we pray we pray you transform us as a church we be a people who are humble we pray that you would raise up more men to be pastors or elders in your church who can fulfill that role and yet in the meantime we do pray for me help me to graciously pastor your people on a compulsion um, not exercising in ways that are for my own benefit lording it over them but willingly, eagerly, as an example. May all of us be a people who are humble, especially in a day where people are anything but humble. Take some time between you and the Lord and ponder what we've seen in God's word this morning. Maybe some of you members want to pray for us as a church, that we would be a church that's humble and gracious. But take a few moments, if you would, and ponder what we've seen in God's word. And after a few moments of silence, we'll worship in our giving. We'll worship and singing two more songs together in our closing prayer.